Counselors, approach the bench. I have no further witnesses, Your Honor. Curiosity, I'm allowing this freak show to continue. Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. Overruled. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Oh, hey. Welcome to Movie Mistrial. The podcast where we examine the IMDb Top 50 and argue for or against the movies being on that list. My name is Raji. And I'm Johannes. Today we're talking about the number one movie on the list. The one and only The Shawshank Redemption. That's right, Shawshank Redemption, released on October 14, 1994, starring Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman, with an IMDb rating of 9.3 out of 10. Number one. Number one. So let's figure out who's going to be on which side. We're flipping a coin. Uh, Raji will call heads or tails. What, what are you going for? I'm going to go for heads. Heads. Okay, so I'm flipping a coin. Tail. Uh, so, all right. <laughs> so I got to get this uh, to the side. Uh, I will be the plaintiff. I will argue against this movie. Okay. You know, I prepared very hard to argue against this movie, but <laughs> I'll be fine to argue for this movie. Great. And I'm going to be the defense. Um, and we'll see how this, this discussion is going to go. Yep. Sounds good. The Shawshank Redemption. Wrongly accused of a double homicide he didn't commit, a banker named Andy Dufresne is sent to Shawshank prison for life. In prison, he befriends Red, who is able to smuggle things from the outside. He asks Red for a rock hammer, saying he liked geology. He later asks for a poster. After he befriends the guards by giving them financial advice, the warden takes an interest in him. Andy builds a prison library and helps the warden do shady financial scams. One day, a newcomer named Tommy tells Andy that in prison he talked to an inmate Ernie, who said he killed a banker's wife and her boyfriend, but that it was framed on Andy. Andy tells the warden who is skeptical. The warden then has Tommy shot. Andy doesn't want to help the warden with the scam anymore, but the warden blackmails him into further help by threatening to destroy the library. One morning, Andy is gone. The guards search his cell and eventually find that he dug his way out of the wall with a hammer and hit the hole with a poster. This feat took Andy nearly 20 years. Andy then takes the money accumulated from the scam, a beggar's salary for 20 years, and leaves town. The police attempt to arrest the warden who commits suicide. Red passes his parole board and reunites with Andy in a Pacific Mexican town. So, as the toying costs uh, revealed, I'm going to be the plaintiff today. I will argue against this movie. And I'm going to be the defense and I'll be arguing for the movie. All right. So, let's, uh, let's get the court in session. That sounds good. The witness will address this court as judge or your honor. Your honor, I'm arguing that this movie does not deserve to be on the IMDb 250 list. Uh, for the following reason, I do think this movie fails uh, on the basic premise. It fails on the relationship arc of the story. And it excels in being a great example of how miserable the prison system in the United States is. And Your Honor, I'm going to be arguing for this film. And you have to think of it that in a bleak world where everything seems to be structured in a very bad way, we have Andy Dufresne bringing light to the prisoner's world and saving their lives by bringing 
sophistication into a place that is considered to be very dark and poorly maintained, full of corruption, misdeeds, people getting killed. And we have a tale of redemption, of, of saving the life of Red, a man who had lost all hope and is finally able to gain some light in his life. How could that be a bad movie? As, as simple. Um, you showcase that uh, Dufresne is essentially the savior of the prison system. Um, but I have my doubts that anything really changes. Um, this movie is set in the 1940s onwards. And uh, as a matter of fact, it seems like uh, the prison system has not changed a lot. Uh, so this is more of a documentary on how the prison system is failing as opposed to a movie about the savior of certain characters. And I, I think that I can understand your perspective, but we have to appreciate that this movie is still a movie. It's more or less a fantasy. And this movie is based in the 1940s where everybody can live kumbaya in prison. We don't see a prison fight amongst prisoners. We only see prisoners fighting with the guards. It's not, an, it's not a very realistic portrayal of how the prison system worked. So we can all assume that this movie is sort of a fantasy. And in that fantasy, we have bad guys and we have good guys. Um, a man who was put in prison for a crime he did not commit. And uh, he was made to suffer the consequences of somebody else's actions. And we get to watch him deal with that, bring people along, and get out of there, um, you know, successfully. I, I don't think that you can argue that the universal achievement of the film being that anybody can relate to it. Men or women can relate to this film because of the subject matter. It's very compelling. And I do think that it deserves to be up there. I, I feel like I need to correct you there. There are uh, emit fights, especially by the sisters, as they call them who attack uh, Dufresne multiple times. I do. I, that, is a, that is a fair correction. I, I, I think you're right on that. But it's, I would say that the, the major, I think you're right on that. So yes, there are prisoners who are fighting. It's not a case where there are no prison fights. Maybe I am exaggerating a bit. Um, but I do think that a lot of the negativity was being perpetuated by the guards and the prisoners. Um, and I do think that the sisters were a bit of a, uh, a bad influence in the film. Uh, I would argue the sisters are kind of a showcase of the 90s and the, the overly stereotypical uh, representation of prison rape, which might be just an indication of um, where we were in the 90s, but it's, it's a lazy trope uh, that got utilized in this. Um, and I think that's fair. Um, but I, I do want to point out that the sisters were used as a means to an end to satisfy a particular urge to create uh, bad prisoners. So it is a it suffers the consequence of its time, but the 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 effect was still uh, it was still effective in what it was trying to do, creating um, obstacles for Andy Dufresne in the first two years of his time in prison. 
See, I think that's not really clear. One of the failings of this movie is that uh, Dufresne has been in prison for well over 20 years. And for the most part, it seems like he's faring really, really well. So the struggle is not really there. Um, has it not been for the sisters, it, it doesn't really feel like um, there's any struggles for the main character. Um, nor are there any real struggles for the character of Red. Um, what, uh, which, which just seems like um, like an interesting um, juxtaposition of like a proper hero's journey um, that just does not happen in this movie. But I think that it then proves my point that the sisters do act as a means to an end in a situation where. Dufresne had come into the prison without any obstacle whatsoever, um, it would have been difficult for us to be able to empathize with the character, to see him, who we all consider to be somewhat not guilty of the crimes that he was put in prison for. And then, this is how I see the sisters. The lazy stereotypes aside, and I do agree with you on the fact that they were lazy stereotypes, um, lazy 90s stereotypes, but the the effect of them being there was to make us feel for Andy Dufresne because he comes into a prison where um, he's not guilty of the crime he's accused for. And then he has to face this guys who, or sisters who are uh, trying to have their way with him in one way or another. And I do think that if they were effective in making us gain some sympathy for the character who till that point was portrayed as cold hearted and um he had he showed no emotions whatsoever i do have to argue that the sisters are not the only kind of prison stereotype that uh, exists in this movie which again i feel like this is more of a character study on how bad prisons are uh, rather than a proper journey through of our protagonists i mean if we if we look at the movie and just look at the uh, the way the prison is run. Um, it's it's completely in shambles. It's it's dirty, grimy. Um, there's stuff happening like there's contraband all the time. There's a rape happening, like we mentioned with the sisters. Um, there are guards that actively kill inmates, uh, and, and at least two occasions, <laughs> and one attempted killing. Um, and ultimately, everybody that enters this prison is set up for failure because the the first thing that the warden says to um, Dufresne is uh, first rule is you have to believe and religion is not is a not playing a, a fit any character really in this movie and B is not really bringing salvation um, so I, I feel like that's kind of another failure it's 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 showcasing the failure of the prison system also within the movie uh, because it's Everything that is set up to be um, a path for the prisoners to get out is ultimately flawed and not working. I do think that uh, we shouldn't look at the prison as a very literal representation of what the prison should be. I see the prison in this movie as a metaphor for being trapped in some sort of corrupt situation, in some sort of corrupt world. And I think everybody can relate to that. I don't, I mean, the world is not a very perfect place and in some situations we have to deal with the kind of people that we have to deal with um leaders who are at the top who are corrupt 
um, people who do random things for their for their benefits. I think that the prison is more of a metaphor for the world than a representation of what the prison was in that time. And some of the events that occurred in there were relatively random. And in those scenarios, you have to you have to think about how an innocent man, Andy Dufresne, has to cope with being stuck in a world of metal and concrete, um, trying to deal with all those kinds of people, having not done the crime he's been accused of and um, being able to survive all of that. I do think that that is one of the strong points of the film because it builds the character of Andy Dufresne and gives you the opportunity to like him even more because you, if you were caught out in a situation like that, and I hope nobody ever is, how would you be able to cope uh, in a locked up in a prison like that? I think that this movie, is, it uses religion as well. Um, and I don't think it uses religion in that... Uh, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> and that's why the movie is bad. <laughs> I, I, I could see an argument for this movie being an uh, allegory to real life, where there are multiple points of salvation that are available to you. And the, the, the push for believing and working hard um, as a beneficial end um, and a kind of beneficial path out of your misery um, is, is an interesting point. But I do think that for that to be successful, the movie doesn't go deep enough on neither point. I do think that they let um, Dufresne's innocence um, kind of in the dark for like at least two thirds of the movie um, it's it's kind of not clear. His character seems to be innocent, but he could be a psychopath, and, and we w we would never know. And then it just happens to be revealed by kind of a super coincidence that he really didn't kill anybody. I feel like there's no tension that was built up, and there's no real um, fight and no real kind of um, meat on that bone for us to care about uh, Dufresne too much. I do I do think that whether he's guilty or not um, is be, beyond the point. It's the experience that matters in this film. And his, his being guilty or not was never played up as much because it doesn't really matter. He was stuck in a prison where everybody makes the moniker that they're all innocent. That if everybody is innocent in that place, and I think they joked about it several times in the film, what does it matter if he's lying or telling the truth? I do think that irrespective of whether he's guilty or not, the importance of the film is the journey. And you mentioned a lot about, you know, some weak characters, but I, I, I want to talk about the character of Brooks Halton, who was the librarian in the film. We're first introduced to him in the cafeteria while he was eating and feeding a maggot that he got from Andy to the to the bird that he had in his pocket. And we watched his journey. He was in prison since the 1920s. And we watched him, how he and Andy built a relationship, 
how Andy was uh, brought to become a librarian uh, in the prison and how he was able to welcome um, Andy in. And all of a sudden he's released from prison and he has to adjust to the real world. And he can't cope with how the world has changed because he's become institutionalized and he ends up killing himself. I, I think that a lot of the characters that we get in this film um, there are three major characters in this film, in my opinion. Um, we have Andy, we have Red, and we have um, Brooke. And I think those three characters are delved in deep to understand the effects of prison on individuals. And because of those three characters, I think that's where you get the sense of, of joy when you watch Andy escape the prison for the very first time uh, I mean, he only escaped it once, but <laughs> that feeling of satisfaction when Andy escaped the prison, that was where you got it because you knew what they were going through. You knew the dangers of being there too long and you felt for Red as he got out of prison and he went through the same steps as Brooke, trying to cope with the world that has changed. Um, and you noticed how he gained happiness knowing that Andy was there um, on the other side of the border to help him out if he ever needs it. I, I think that the bond between those three characters is the heart of the film. And in my opinion, Red is the, is the main protagonist of this film, not Andy. We get to learn a lot of this film through Red's eyes and we get to experience his finding of hope, which he had begun to lose uh, a lot in, in having been in prison that long. I, I don't... I think that when you look at it from that perspective, you get a lot of joy watching the film. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> so at uh, the character of Brooks, this movie is clocking in at two and a half hours, I believe, uh, roughly. And I do believe there's some certain story arcs that you could have left out, uh, notably the character of Brooks. I understand that the it's a setup for a callback uh, for the end. But uh, I think this, the payoff is, is not important enough. It's not big enough for it to warrant 20 minutes of um, film for this character. I also don't necessarily believe that the character of Brooks is adding a lot of depth to the movie. Onto uh, Red, I do believe that he is the narrator of the movie. I kept wondering how reliable he is as a narrator. As I mentioned, it's it's kind of a grotesque, stereotypical oversimplification of prison. And I just question how reliable the story is as a whole, coming from the eyes of an inmate. I do I do I do want us to understand that this is still a, a Stephen King uh, novel, uh, and there's always gonna be oh sorry, it's a short story. And there's always going to be elements of fantasy involved. So I don't think we should look at it from the perspective of it being a real life representation of what of prison life or things along those lines. I think we should look at it from the perspective of what the director was trying to do. And I think that it is fair to argue that um, a movie watched by anyone can be interpreted in a different way. And I do appreciate that some people may look at this film and say this is not a realistic depiction of what prison is like. 
but I think that the the what the director was trying to bring out was a story about a character's struggle and how they tried to survive in a very bleak place. And it was very explicit. The scene where Captain Headley beats the prisoner up um, after they chanted fresh fish uh, on the first night of their arrival into prison and the fact that there was no doctor to save them, to save him, established immediately that this place was a very brutal place. Um, and, you know, there were many scenes like that in the film. The, the young boy who passed his GED and was shot because he knew information um, about the guy who killed um, Andy's wife and the uh, golf pro. That is another situation where somebody chose greed because he wanted Andy's um, abilities to continue to forge and continue to clean his money uh, during the money laundering. I think those are some of the things that make this movie, you make, you make you feel for the characters in the prison because you know that they have a strong uh, set of bad guys to be fighting against. These guys are unrealistically bad. And the whole movie is about overcoming what is, what is considered a very difficult system. And if you look at it from that perspective, we are all dealing with bad systems, whether in life, whether in politics, whether in work, we all have to deal with this. And this guy overcame it. And that is the power of the film, because we are dealing with the characters, not this, the, whether he killed his wife is superficial. The prison, the prison system, superficial. But the character of Andy, the character of Red, the character of Brooke, very important. And, and you mentioned that Brooke was not um, significant. But I think from the very beginning, after we watched Brooke's life, we understood that Red was going to be facing this end. And at some point during the conversation he had with Andy, he said that he couldn't survive in the real world because he's now institutionalized, just like just like Brooke. And you, you know, you've grown to like Red from the moment he came in. Whether he's a reliable narrator or not, we've we've grown to like him because he seems like he knows how to work the prisons. And you you feel sad watching. If I felt sad watching Brooke hang himself. And the moment where he had to climb the table and write, so was Red, I could have felt really bad if he ended up just like Brooke. So I, I'm, I do think that Brooke's story is quite important to how Red survives this. I see that argument. Uh, I, I do want to point out that the, that the first fight of um, and murder, essentially, of the character of, um, I think they call him Fat Guy, that was invoked by the prisoners themselves. And then essentially executed by the guards, but they stoked him on, and they had bets going against who's going to cry at, at, during the first night, mm. and end up being this character, and they just kind of amped him up, amped him up, amped him up, uh, fully knowing what that actually means because they've been in the system for quite a, quite some time. But ultimately, it it's kind of made to look like the guards are the the bad people. But uh, I felt like the the, the real setup is like everybody around you is bad, but that doesn't really um, get conveyed properly. 
in my opinion. I do, I do want to acknowledge your argument on that, but I do want to point out that um, the gods, they sing the Fresh Fish song every single day and they had bets, but I don't think anybody expected it would ever go that far. There's no indication from the, from the, because there was even a prisoner, I think it was Red, who turned uh, in the dark and said, go back, you know, shut up. So the, my point basically is that the the situation got out of hand, not because of the prisoners, but because of the the way the uh, the security, uh, the guards, the prison guards were handling the situation. This was not the first time they had done this. I'm not. How could it how could it be possible that every single time that they do the fresh fish um, stuff on the first night they kill someone? This just went out of hand and. Uh, I think it's more of a call on the, the security guards rather than the prisoners. You're in prison. You've got to find some form of entertainment. I can see that. Uh, I would like to transition over to some of the more technical aspects of this movie. Um, sure. Sound design and uh, music. I felt in the beginning it was very heavy-handed with the uh, verdict and the gavel, that the gavel sound was not a gavel sound, but it was a gunshot essentially signifying a death sentence. Um, I felt it was a little heavy-handed. And uh, I also felt the, mu the music in this movie is, ver is very much all over the place. Um, I recognize some uh, happy-sounding music, some Irish-sounding music. I, I did like uh, the tie-in of um, the symbol of the harmonica in the last song uh, when Red is finding the box because they included the uh, harmonica in that song. Um, I, I give the movie that. But um, I've, I found the mus music for the most part to be very distracting. Um, I, I sort of agree and um, disagree. I think that the movie, the music in the film is unconventional in, in some ways. Um, and um, I think that it elevates some, some certain scenes. Um, for example, the final scene where he comes out and pushes, well, not the final scene, the scene where he comes out of prison after his prison break and it's raining and he raises his hands to the skies and the camera pans from his, from his um, visual level all the way to the top, to, uh, to a bed's eye view. The music there was very um, orchestral, very happy, and it portrayed... It, gave, it elevated the scene um, in such a way that you felt like you could, um, you could understand the perspective of the character. He's escaped the prison. Um, and it could be said to be heavy-handed. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but I, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure if that would be as big a ding on the film overall. Uh, I thought the music overall was effective. Um, even if at some points it was kind of heavy handed, but I don't think that changes the perspective. I think that just like the world they're living in, the music is exaggerated. Um, I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. But then if, if you have happy music in a world that's very bleak and supposed to kind of convey unhappiness, that, that seems to be a, an odd choice. I think I was only talking specifically about the scene where Andy escaped. In most scenes, you have that mon that monotone melody where it seems like somebody's crying and wailing in here. Um, 
I don't I don't entirely I think that the movie it just the sound just emphasized almost every single scene it was um but it never took me out of the movie at any point I didn't feel like the sound was either great or not great I it never took me out of the film I never felt like it had such a big impact What's your um, thoughts on the cinematography I think the cinematography is really good we have a lot of close up shots a lot of play of on dark and um on light the first time we see um Andy he's in his car uh watching the door of the house and is caught in a dark scene and it's supposed to portray some sense of ominous ominousness to his character and in the final scene we see them in basked in light as they walk on the beaches in Mexico i think that the cinematography is very effective i don't think that it's spectacular in any sense it's effective in trying to portray what it has to portray but it doesn't go beyond beyond that i think that the strength of the film is the characters of the film um not necessarily the music or and i think that the music is okay and in some scenes you know the music were, was orchestral and loud but i think that the strength of the film is not the technicality of how the things were filmed it's the the strength of the characters and the acting specifically of red who was played by Morgan Freeman and it's also one of the strong uses of a voiceover that she can have in film i think it was very effective use of voiceovers in terms of cinematography i think uh, the movie is very unobtrusive in that it's uh, serviceable lots of panning shots lots of slow shots the visual design is very muted blues grays darks towards the end when the world opens up the color palette opens up um i felt that was successful in this movie the only shot that stood out to me was the attempted uh, killing of dufrain by throwing him over the ledge that was the only time where i felt like the the camera was actively involved in telling kind of the the fear because oftentimes the camera was just functioning as a uh, again kind of a documentary device in that mm. sense which brings me back to my argument that this is more of a documentary of the failings of a prison system than a, a proper character study i think that if you like the scene where he was being dangled at the edge of the of the building you may also consider the scene where he escaped from prison the panning shots are almost uh in reverse order but they're basically similar shots where in the scene where he's dangling from the top of the building the camera portrays the edge and where the characters are walking uh on the ground and you see the danger is in and it swings by and goes into eye level and you get to see that okay maybe he's not, he's he's safe right now because he's being held the scene at the end of the film where he's it's raining and he's just got out of of the pipe it's basically the opposite of that it starts from his eye level pans up over his head into a bird's eye view and you get to see him um raise his hands in glory to to just to say like hey I've I've escaped this um did you not feel that that was an effective use of the camera too. Uh I I feel like I got spoiled on that because that scene is uh on the movie poster. 
gotcha. and and I feel like the the payoff of of that moment is um, unfortunately I got robbed out of, out of that a little bit. Do you feel like this was a this was something that it was as a result of the fact that you had seen it before? Uh, or I'd seen it several times and you got robbed of that? Or do you feel like the first the first scene like that where you mentioned the camera and him dangling up across the edge, do you feel like that was so effective that irrespective of how many times you see it, it doesn't lose its effect? Yeah, I think because it's a, a sort of a shift in tonality from, from a visual perspective, right? It's Everything is, is, is staying at eye level for a long time. And then we we cross eye level upwards uh, for the first time in that roof scene. And I get your argument that that's essentially repeated when he gets free, um, which again is kind of making that strange argument of he he could have been free in quotes uh, had he been thrown over the ledge, um, which <laughs> is kind of a perverse the interpretation of that scene and that camera movement, I think. That's fair. I mean, it's, it's a bit dark, but it is, it is fair in some sense. I think that the, the camera work is not particularly great, but I do think that the director did a good job, especially when we talked about using the light and dark motif to light, lighten or darken characters based on their particular moods. I think that some of that could have was very effective in scenes where people are doing some bad things. You see them cloaked in darkness, like when the warden came in from the dark to meet the prisoner he let out and to be shot. That was a, a good play on dark uh, and light. The scene of Elmo Blotch, uh, Blotch as he talked about how he killed um, Andy's wife, that was another scene where he was standing in the dark talking about his story. I think that there's a lot of good camera work on that perspective. Yeah, like I said, serviceable, but not, nothing spectacular, in my opinion. Fair. I, I, will, take, I will take your word on that. I, I, I do agree with you that maybe the camera work is not the best for the film. But like I said, the strength of the film is the character work for these characters. And the reason why it's IMDb's number one film is that everybody feels for the characters and they appreciate the characters for what they've been through religious or not religious people tend to appreciate the experience they had and how they were able to survive it the the framework of the movie the character work might be successful to to a big degree i would argue it is but the technical side of the of the movie has definite shortcomings which uh, is only an argument against this movie being that high on this list but then the question then becomes, is the strength of a film the technical aspect or the effectiveness of how the story is told? Let's just say that you're, you're right about the technicality. The music is not great. The camera work is not great. Um, and when the movie came out, it was beat up by speed in the, in the, in the box office because a lot of people couldn't, <laughs> didn't have the chance to go see it. And it lost to Forrest Gump in the Academy Awards. So let's just say all of that is true. This movie has shot up from that particular point till now based on the strength of the story. And there is an argument to be made given the fact that these are ratings from more than 2 million users that this movie resonated with a lot of them 
more than those films that have been technically marvelous, that have been technically spot on with great music and all of that. This movie, the themes of this movie resonated with more people because people could relate to that more than all those other films that have great uh, camera work, great sounds and stuff. Um, I think that is a stronger strength for the film than the arguments that can be made about whether the music is good or bad. You play it for your mom, she'll love it. I'll play for my dad, he'll love it. I'll play for my sister, she'll love it. I'll play for my brother, he'll love it. This movie resonates with everybody because they know what the characters went through and everybody can relate to that. And I think that that is, that is, no, that is enough to justify its position. Uh, I think any movie is uh, kind of like a good... Is any movie that is on this list is supposed to be like a good sandwich. Um, a fine balance of uh, all components that make a movie. And I do think this movie uh, happens to have a lot of bread as a component, the characters, and is lacking on um, the the basics, um, basic ingredients for like a solid number one movie. But I, I think that the the director did a. Then you have to you then you have to ask. I have to ask how is it that this movie has sustained so long being number one. Um, lots of people watch this film and they can relate to the characters. And I, I don't, I, I want to acknowledge that maybe you have a good point when you, you talk about the music not being as good as a lot of the films in the top list, 250 list. But there's a lot of things that it has going for it. It has a lot of good character work. This was the breaking out role for Morgan Freeman, basically the reason why we have him doing voiceovers over almost everything, why he plays the voice of God. This was the movie. It resonated with a lot of people. And if we consider movies to be a medium with which to convey ideas, with which to convey um, emotion, this movie emotionally affected a lot of people. And I would say that a movie that has all the other technicalities, has even more veggies than bread. I think that, that it doesn't affect people that much, that well. And I think that if a movie affects a lot of people, and I'm talking about a wide range of people, because the themes in this film are universal, whether you are religious or not religious. And I, I think that's one of the weird things about watching this film again. There's a lot of religious allegory going on it appeals to people from all works of life because they can appreciate how difficult it was for these people to overcome the systems that were holding them down. I, I, I think that story is effective and the director didn't have to do the sound, didn't have to do the camera work. I think he just said, let the characters do the talking and let's see how it goes. And I think that that was the strength of the film, not overdoing it, not letting the camera overshadow the acting work, not letting the sound overshadow everything. Let the story be the main character. All right. No further arguments. Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. All right. So this is me talking about the movie uh, outside of the scope of the argument. I think that the movie is good. I don't think the movie is in the top 10 films of all time. <laughs> I was actually looking forward to arguing against this film. Um, I had a lot of 
of points against it. A lot of the points that you had, there's a lot of plot holes in the film too uh, that don't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> when I was doing the negatives of the film, it was easier to find negatives than it was it was to find positives. So <laughs> it was actually difficult to argue positively for the film than it was to argue negatively. It's easy to pick it. But I will say that the scene where Andy came out put a lot of the negatives into... It made them seem less negative because the payoff of the film is really, really good. And one of the problems with a lot of really good films is that you have a good setup and you don't get a good payoff. This movie, the setup is not great. You, you, you do feel for the characters, but the payoff is incredible. So I, the prison scene, the escape scene was incredible. Uh, even till now, I still had shivers down my spine watching it happen. Like I had to uh, go through a, a sewage, a sewage pipe, a pipe full of doo doo, and he, uh, <laughs> and he made it to the other side. I, I think that the movie is really, really good, but I don't think it's like the best film I've ever watched. What about you? Yeah, I agree. I going into this movie, I, last time I saw this movie was probably 10, 12 years ago, so quite a while ago. And um, I agree with your assessment that number one on this list uh, is, is not necessarily warranted, in my humble opinion. It's it's a good movie and that it's successful in what it does, but there is a bunch of lengths to this movie. I think it's a little too long. I probably could have cut out 20 minutes. Uh, I do agree that the payoff is really good. I was struggling with the tonality of this movie a little bit because I felt like the the prison world was always going back and forth between uh, very violent and dangerous and very, you know, everything's fine, everything's cool. Like, we've been doing this for decades now. And and, and that's where I think the movie fails a little bit uh, mm -hmm. because the, the length of time is not conveyed as much. It's just kind of said in passing. Uh, so it's kind of hard to feel the struggle um that much i do i do feel like the argument you're making about red being an unreliable character is very very strong i i find it hard to believe that he was in the center of everything that was happening in the prison and he never got into trouble as, as i watched the movie i just kept going is is he a composite character is red a character many characters in one who's telling the story or is he taking time to put himself in the middle of everything for example when they were tying the top of the 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 building how did he convince the guards that he should be there when he was doing the taxes how did he convince andy that he had to be there how did andy become his best friend i actually don't understand how they became best friends to be fair but they became best friends i guess that that is weird in its own way but i also felt like there was a lot of artificiality in the film it felt like they were in a fake world. Some of the crimes that they were punished for seemed excessive. Like when the warden put Andy in, in solitary confinement for two months, that was weird. Uh, why, why was two months sufficient? Why not two weeks or four weeks? It seemed like they were going out of their way to make you think that those warden and his captain were horrible people. So it just felt artificial too. Yeah, it, it it served as kind of a character a caricature 
uh, at that point. And, and I think that's what I mean with stereotypical kind of prison uh, depiction. Um, of course, you're going to have um, prison rape. Uh, of course, you're going to have uh, a crazy person with a pet. Of course, you're going to have bad food. Of course, you're going to have um, uh, the prison guards that are beating people up. Of course, you're going to have a warden that doesn't have any heart. And I felt that to be kind of lazy in that regard. But then again, it's it's a movie from the 90s. Mm-hmm. And, and there have been a couple of movies following this that, that follow these steps. And I believe Green Mile is also by the same director. I think that that comes to mind where it's fairly similar, mm-hmm. but the uh, the guards have a, a little different role, thankfully. And the Green Mile was also another Stephen King film. I think that uh, the success of this after release was what not uh, you know when it came to uh, uh, home video was what pushed them to make the Green Mile. Um, I, I, and I wasn't also sure how to to look at Andy as a character. I wasn't sure if he was naive or smart. Uh, I'll give you one example. Um, when he spent like two years writing to the Senate to get books and music records sent to the prison. And the moment he does that, he plays the music loud, locks the uh, person in the room and had to be put in solitary confinement because of that. It's like, I, I just don't understand his motivations uh, in that sense. I don't know if he's naive or smart uh, or in the situation where uh, he finds out that the um, Elmo Blotch was the killer for his wife um, or who killed his wife and the golf pro. It was weird that he went to the warden to talk to him about it, knowing exactly what the warden was going to do. And it was evident that he knew what the warden was going to do because after the warden said no, that was the first thing he said. He was like, oh, I'm not going to tell anybody about this. So he knew the effects and he still went ahead and did it. I, I don't know whether he was a, a smart character or naive. I, I wasn't entirely sure about Andy's character. Yeah, I see that. I think I think about his character is just very ambiguous, right? Like I said, for, for two-thirds of the movie, it, it is not even clear if he did it or not. Um, and just gets revealed by, by this other character um, that he's not guilty I mean, of course, he maintains his innocence, but uh, as we learn, everybody in this prison maintains their innocence, right? Yeah. And I think I could see it, Andy's character being, uh, coming from the perspective of, I have done nothing wrong, and if I've played by the rules, truly good will happen to me, and the the right thing will happen. So, So going to the warden... The motivation is probably, you know, if, if if I come clean to the warden and say, hey, I know who did this for real, then, uh, you know, the system will, will do its, the right thing. Um, but again, the, the, the whole ecosystem of this prison is set up to showcase how corrupt it is. So I agree with you that it's kind of ambiguous if he's naive in that or just believing in, in the good of people. But for decades, they have shown that they're not necessarily good to him. I'm going to give you a controversial position, and I don't think that uh, this was my position the first time I watched it, but I think I've gotten older and I've become a little bit more, 
I've, I've become a little bit more dark in my outlook, and I actually think that he killed his wife. So that's just me. I don't understand how... I think he killed his wife. <laughs> so that's just my controversial thing. I don't know. There's no proof um, that he didn't do it. Uh, and it seems very convenient that they found somebody, Elmo Blatch, in a prison somewhere who claimed that he did it in such an obvious way. Uh, I think that we're grasping at straws at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's it's left open, right? It's just kind of a red herring in, in that. Right. Um, that's, that's a good point. I didn't think of it like that, but I could see that argument that he may have killed. He, he might just be a mastermind and kind of a psychopath in that. I, I, because how effective he was when he got to prison, there was nobody as effective as he was at doing all those things. Um, he knows a lot. He's very smart. And he could easily be argued that he was playing everybody. Yeah. I, I think, if anything, um, what... The, the impact he has on the prison is fascinating because it's like, like, it's, like I mentioned in the beginning, the, the, the first point and the only point, uh, the warden brings is, um, you know, a b- believing like religion is, is kind of the, the means to an end in this place. And that's the only rule you're going to learn, even though, um, that's not followed through at all in the movie. I, I don't think, um, there's no point where, um, where it's showcased that, having a belief of whatever um, flavor is helping any of the, the inmates. What does end up helping is uh, knowledge, right? Learning and, um, and the, like the library reading and all that, that, that becomes to be uh, kind of a motif. So it's kind of an interesting um, motif there as well, where you have like an application of like religion versus science and the science ending up being, um, more effective. Yeah, I can see that too. It's it, it's a good movie, but but again, I I just don't think it's that good of a movie. Um, yeah. Well, I guess it's up to the fans to see uh, whether they they took my arguments that it's the best movie, or they took your arguments that it's not. That's right. Exactly. Now, Your Honor, it is upon you to decide who presented the better argument. Please cast your vote on our Movie Mistral Twitter or Instagram. Where can people find us? They can find us on at Movie Mistral on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also send us an email, moviemistral at gmail.com. Next on the list, The Godfather. <laughs>